This is Every Hornet's Box Score, the only podcast that dares, dares examine every single Charlotte Hornets franchise box score. I'm Doug Branson. I'm joined today by my friend and co-host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, Walker Mail, who is using this opportunity to debut his brand new filming oh. location. Look at this. Look at all that. Now, one thing that was a little bit of an error on my part, trying to figure out error. how I wanted my backdrop to look, is the fact that my face would be blocking one half of the bookcase. In fact, 75% of the bookcase. So I didn't realize that. So this is how it looks. I'm gonna try you've got a memorabilia. Here, yeah, you've got, you go. you've got a double bookcase situation. Mm-hmm. Lots of memorabilia behind you. But yes, you're Lots. tall lanky bony body is covering <laughs> so up accurate. half of it <laughs> we are so accurate thank you for going into a soft spot all of the where bones, my love handles are yeah i'm bones. lanky everywhere but my love handles which is the soft part which you just kind of went in and decided you know what i'm gonna make fun of walker's body but yes the bookcase we have i uh, the basketball card display right there can't see all. any of the players but i believe That's, that those are trust basketball me, players mm-hmm. trust me they're charlotte Hornets. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my Hornets hard hat off of the side. I have Hugo with a suction cup kind of connecting to the basketball cards. Now, what, have, what year was the hard hat? What what was that from? Is that a recent like, year? I mean, 20, maybe 2019, something like oh, that. Okay. It would have been could, close. Could possibly, could possibly be the year we land you like on. That could year? possibly. Mm-hmm. Could, could possibly be. be. I mean, it's, um, the, you never know. You, you never, never know, know because the it. way that this all works is that we're doing every Hornets box score, but we're not doing them in any particular order. Uh, and we're not going and just selecting games that we think are interesting to talk about. The whole premise of this show is that every single game has a story. And so we will randomly select a box score in which to talk about in each of these episodes. But we, we've broken it up in an interesting way. And that we've divided the Hornets franchise history into five eras. And so each episode will go into one of those eras and we'll circle through. That way we're talking a little Bobcats, a little bit of original Hornets, a little bit of new Hornets. And so the era that we've landed on today is the late Hornets era. So this uh, sort of the Bobcats are gone, the Hornets are back. And so we'll, we'll have some recent box scores to pick through in this particular era and the way that we randomly select our box score is we go to the bees machine, a machine specifically designed to deal with the power of the Hornets box scores and randomly select one. So Walker, um, I, I, I dare ask, are you ready to hit the bees machine? You're never ready. You just hope that you're safe. So I'm, I'm going to get in a crouching position, make sure that I, I, I don't have any sunglasses. I might close my eyes. I just, I, you're never truly ready, but I am going to be safe during this. Yeah. And it's, it's part of the reason why I moved to Nashville. Honestly, I wanted to keep the city of Charlotte, the city that I love, the city that made me, uh, I wanted to keep it safe from things like the hot take machine and the bees machine. They were just too dangerous. I had to move them out of the state. D- does Broadway just shut down when you turn this thing on? <laughs> No, Broadway powers up. That's what what powers Broadway (laughs) in Nashville, the country music capital of the world. Yeah, when when you fire this thing off, hey, music that's city, what the baby. Jimmy will do. Speaking yeah, of music, yeah, Music City. Speaking of music, what powers the bees machine is the Jimmy, which is the, my my guitar, which I never named my guitar, so I guess it's named Jimmy now. You've named uh, Walker. You're responsible for naming my guitar. 
you're welcome. You can never give yourself a nickname. I don't know if you can name your guitar or if those rules are the same, but they apply, but we made it happen here. Your guitar is the Jimmy, and that's what we will call it from now on. Now we're moving into the future in these box scores, and so I needed to add a little bit of extra power to the bees machine. So I used to just turn the Jimmy handle, and that's what powered the bees machine, or that's what turned it on. Now I've actually got to play a note. So if you're ready, I know you're gonna play. Well, well I'm, I'm just you know just a, just I got to give it a little bit of juice. It's like giving giving the car a little bit of gas. If you ever if you had if your first car was like mine, it was a beater, little '95 Honda Accord, '95 Gold Honda Accord. One of the doors didn't work. The air conditioning was kind of suspect. It's kind of one of those situations. You got to give it a little so gas. Kind of like I drive now. Yeah, I totally oh. get it. That makes sense. Okay, what what do you drive now? No, it's not necessarily true. My AC is kind of hit or miss. I need to get that fixed. But it's <laughs> I a challenge Jeep you. Cherokee. I have one challenge yes. question, and you folded on that one. <laughs> I did. It's a Jeep Cherokee. That's what I have. 2016. It's a good car. I just need. It's something that can easily be fixed. I just need to do it. It's one of those things you just need to take care of. But it's not the 95 Honda Accord. Like, all the doors shut. It does, speaking of being safe, it does get me from A to B in a safe way. So I'm okay. All right, let's do it. Let's hit the beast machine. Bees! Bees everywhere! I feel oh, like yeah. in a... I'm in a heavy metal band music video where we are trying to go straight grunge and be edgy. And whoa, whoa okay, Boom. 2000. You I called told you it. I upgraded it. I told you. Nice it, it now it just appears immediately on the screen. Uh, so if you're Very watching this cool. on YouTube, yeah, I've upgraded the Bees Machine. It takes us right to the basketball reference box score that it is randomly selected. And it has put us in uh, April 3rd in 2019, April 3rd, Charlotte Hornets. At New Orleans Pelicans. So we're in late into the 2018-19 season. Let's see, final score. Charlotte Hornets, 115 over the New Orleans Pelicans, 109. So they win this game in New Orleans in the Smoothie King Center. One of my favorite names for a center or arena. Smoothie King. <laughs> Love it. It's good uh, but what? So we're in 2018-19, Walker. That means that... We are in a very weird season, right? I mean, it's it's the season. And approaching the end of that very weird season, not even in the middle, if you want. Yeah, I, we're at the very end. We have big time decisions coming up. And you're in the middle of a playoff race in 2019 where you're on the outside looking in, but there's still a realistic possibility in James Borrego's debut. A lot of stuff going on around this time. Yeah, James Borrego's first year, right? And so... But they, but they still have a roster that has a lot of holdovers. You know, you've got Kimball Walker in the final year of his deal. You've got MKG still. You've got Nick Batum still. You've got uh, a lot of familiar faces. And if we kind of scroll down here into the box score, you can see starting lineup for this game, Kimball Walker, Miles Bridges, Dwayne Bacon, Bismack Biombo, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, your reserves for this game who played are Jeremy Lamb, Frank Kaminsky, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, and Billy Hernan Gomez. So you've got a lot of holdovers from that previous era. So that's why I say it's weird because James Borrego has enough tools to win basketball games, but you're also trying to get young players in and move towards the future. Uh, but, you know, they they win this game on the back of Kimball Walker's 32 points. Yeah, well, to, I mean, to no surprise of anybody here that's a Hornets fan, it's Kimball Walker who ends up winning this game. You see his 32 points, his seven assists, getting to the foul line 13 times and hitting 12 of them. Well, and 13 taking attempts. The, 
13 attempts. Yeah, hitting 12. I, you know, sorry. It's, it's, yeah. I, well, no, don't apologize because it's something I do a lot. And I feel like when I listen to basketball podcasts, it is one of the most common mistakes that we make when talking about a box score is we look at the 13 attempts and we say 13 trips to the line. It's just like the easiest mistake to make. I guess. Yeah, I guess that's true. So maybe it's not. I, I feel like, it, okay, 13 attempts. That's fine. I feel like that's oh, a very hot. Oh, you want to say, you're, you say you, you're right. That, that every time he steps up to the line, that counts as a trip to the line. Yeah. How long does your trip have to be? If you do the take a step back and then take a step forward, right back to the line, does that count as a trip? Well, so Russell maybe, Westbrook definitely took some trips, right? He, he was, hey, didn't, didn't they yeah. make the rule because he would like take, he would go all the way back to the mid court line and then come back and they were like, all right, refresh. He can't do yeah. that anymore. Yeah, he would. I think, I think honestly, Giannis takes so much time at the line to where you could count that as another trip. If you just refresh that time, you could go to the moon and back and be there before Giannis took a free throw shot. Yes. You could eat a, 13 you could eat a mushroom. If, if, if a player did eat a mushroom before each free throw, that would be a trip, a trip to the free throw line every time. It would. That's true. Yeah. That would be a different, different type of trip and just shoot for the middle goal. If you're seeing three <laughs> off of the shrooms, Shoot for the shoot middle for the, one and you might hit it. Shoot for the cloud with the three unicorns on it. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's just always the middle because you're going to be seeing all sorts of different uh, little characters up there. Just shoot for the middle thing. Um, either way, 12, uh, 12 made free throws on 13 attempts. But also, so this is Kimba and then it's pretty much the bench. So seven three-pointers made from the bench. Malik got one. Frank hit three. Devontae Graham, he comes in, hits three three-pointers, another field goal in just 16 minutes of play. Remember, Doug, this is a really much-needed game for them, and it's not like the Pelicans were a good basketball team at this time. This is the team that was so bad, it allowed them to get the number one overall pick and select Zion Williamson, just to show you kind of where this team was at that can I, point. Can I, can, I get a, can I get a rundown of who they're playing against? Because... I, I, yeah. went, I went back and listened to the episode that you and I produced a game recap episode for Locked wow. on Hornets. You know, that's, that's the cool thing about this particular era is that we can go back and listen to episodes that we actually did talking about these games. I do also have the Charlotte observer article and the at the hive articles that we can dig into as well. But I went back into our episode and we did make a point that it was Julius Randle and a bunch of players we had never heard of. So it was Julius Randle, Ian Clark, Alfred Payton, who we, we knew who Alfred Payton was, Jalil Okafor, and Kenrich Williams uh, was one of the starters for this game. Solomon Hill, Stanley Johnson, Christian Wood. That's an interesting name there. Uh, and not, not now, not, don't get confused here if you're watching. This is not Davis. Bertans. Yeah, the, I still I, don't know who that is, but it's, it, it's his twin brother. It has to be his twin, right? Well, it's his brother. I don't know if it's his twin yeah. brother, but they do they look, look very similar, which, you know, very that's similar. what brothers tend to look very similar. But this is, uh, I, I'm going to say Daris uh, Bertans, but I'm not totally sure on the pronunciation of the name, but it is his brother from, uh, from Latvia. Uh, and he was on the bench as well for the Pelicans. And then Czech Diallo. Uh, also getting some runs. So it was a bunch of Pelicans, no bodies, no Anthony Davis. Uh, he was about to go to L.A. So, yeah, um, this, this was is, a game that they probably should have won, and they did. No, and, and, they, and they needed it. They got it, thanks to Kimba Walker, thanks to a few guys off of the bench, hitting some three-pointers and limited minutes from Malik Monk and Devontae coming in and really helping this team get that victory. And Frank Kaminsky, I think we just talked, to, we just talked about him 
in Locked On Hornets not. I mean, was it the last episode we did when we did maybe 44 was that jersey mm-hmm. number? Yep. Yeah, so Frank Kaminsky coming in, 28 minutes and, and hitting six field goals, three of them, three-pointers. Well, and we mentioned in that episode that Frank did have some moments in his career with the Charlotte Hornets, and I made the point that Frank Kaminsky tended to have those moments when he could get some valuable minutes at the center position and not constantly be forced to be the stretch four role. Offensively, he just played better better at the center position. And I think in this game, getting 28 minutes backing up Biombo and a smaller lineup, probably Bridges would be your four in this lineup with Kemba, Bacon, Biombo, and Gilchrist. So Kaminsky probably got some center run in this game and was able to take advantage and knock down some three-point shots. And, you know, he had a good, he had a good fake too, that he could get to the, you know, that's how he could get to the rim is, you know, people would respect that three-point shot. He could fake and get in pretty quickly. He he just couldn't beat people once he faked, no. and then he would shy away from contact once well, he did. The fake get to the had basket. to be devastating, right? I mean, the fake <laughs> well, had like, to really yeah. have them slipping on a banana. Like whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Like they had, had to, to be hit be by a turtle shell, right? Mm-hmm. He had his fake had to be blue turtle shell in order for him to win the race. Uh, but when he was at the center position, he had more of an opportunity to do that. But yeah, Frank Kaminsky, good. Good Kaminsky game here. Six of 13. Can we go back to the Pelicans roster for a second on your basketball oh, reference page? I feel like <laughs> already frustrating you. Uh, I, I feel like this is the roster that is made up of disappointing lottery, late lottery picks, or even just lottery picks in general, because you have Alfred Payton, I believe was a lottery pick for the magic once upon a time. We all remember him for the crazy hair, but Alfred Payton, a nice one of eight in this game, not necessarily a great offensive player was Alfred Payton, but then Jaleel Okafor lottery pick didn't pan out as much as certainly we thought at the time. Solomon Hill, Stanley Johnson, a couple of other guys. I have a basketball crush on Solomon Hill. I always wanted to like for for like five consecutive off seasons. I was begging the Hornets to sign Solomon Hill. Why? I did not know that. I I were you you doing that off of the air? No, I was doing that on the air. I always like Solomon Hill. Physical player, you know. I mean, you could could, could get a bucket or two here and there. I like Solomon. Pelicans gave him. Well, he got one of the 2016 contracts that was really bad, and it was the Pelicans who dished that out. There were a lot of players that got overpaid, and it's not the players' fault. As you know, I would say that about Nick Batum, who's also on the box score, but with a nice uh, uh, DNP. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we can Uh, talk about that. We can talk about the reason that Nick Batum got this DNP and and the surprise that Michael Kidd Gilchrist got 20 minutes in this game, because as we said, this was a weird season, right? They're moving away from the old era. So Nick Batum's getting a lot of DNPs by the late portion of this season. MKG got a lot of DNPs as well. They they were officially moving on from Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And I was listening back to that episode, Walker, and that surprised both of us because we thought the Hornets were going to run, and we thought that meant that MKG was going to get a lot a, a better looks, I guess, because he's a transition player. Like he can mm-hmm. that's what he did at Kentucky. And we thought that hey, there could be a little bit of an MKG revival. Didn't happen. They just moved away from him completely. But it looks like they may have because they were suddenly in the playoffs race, and I think that surprised the Hornets. And they did. started they started to get a little bit more serious. Not serious enough to play Nick Batum, but they were playing Michael Kidd Gilchrist a little bit more towards the end of the season. He was two of seven of this game in this game, five points, five rebounds, uh, one of two from three. So he knocked down a three pointer. 
Well, Doug, this this second half. Well, yeah, that I have a little bit of the defending of MKG shooting numbers like that year. I believe he shot 34 percent. And no, it was not a large sample size. But also MKG is viewed as this Ben Simmons type player. And that's not true. I mean, he was nowhere near a good shooter. He doesn't even touch the neighborhood of good or Mm -hmm. average. He is a Mm -hmm. bad shooter, Mm -hmm. but he could hit enough to where you just say, Hey, at least he's taking them where that was the argument. That's been the argument for Ben Simmons. He just refuses to take him. MKG shot 34% on a very small sample size one year. I think it was like 0.7 attempts. I think this was the season if I'm not mistaken, but that's okay. 0.7 attempts shoot it every once in a while. You hit 34% just roll with it. So 34. Yeah, that would have been 2018, 2019 Uh, overall field goal percentage solid enough. We know how good he was defensively. That I'll always defend MKG a little bit because we all want to remember the elbow all, like so in. It's such a bad form. The photo that circulates on social media, no doubt about it. But he was hitting at an OK clip that year. So, yeah, like it, it's something that I think should have called for him to play more than the 18 minutes a game that he played that year compared to the 25 that he played previously. And and not uh, not his final year in Charlotte. Uh, he would play in the next season for twelve games before moving on to Dallas. But he played in sixty four games in the twenty eighteen nineteen campaign. Started three, and uh, as you said, yeah, I mean the the three point percentage wasn't that bad. But he just didn't take a ton. Two things, real quickly. Mm-hmm. MKG. I remember having. MKG at the podium going into the following season, not this one, but the next season where I think it was Rick Bennell front row asking MKG, has your role been communicated to you mm-hmm. and or something, to, something to that? It's not verbatim, but something to that effect. And MKG said no comment. It, it was clear that this was going to be not 2018, 2019, right? Because we saw the minutes diminish. We, we knew it was coming, right. but MKG all but confirmed it going into the next season when he said no comment. It was clear he and James Brago weren't on the same page. He only played well, 12 games you just saw, and then he goes to Dallas, doesn't play much there either, and now he's out of the league. Well, tra- well you know, endings are hard. Transitions yeah. are hard. Franchise sure. transitions are hard, and they're going to have victims, and you know, Nick Batum getting the DNPs, he would have to move on and, and find his way again. MKG, yeah, unfortunately. I just did see a news article where he is doing some great stuff out in the community. I mean, he's, he's you know, trying to do do some Always stuff after basketball. Dude. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a solid dude. And, you know, unfortunately, yeah, the, 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 the NBA dream didn't probably didn't work out as, as he planned it to. But, yeah, I mean, the ending was hard with Kimba Walker, too. Uh, we... It's a great what if game to play, Walker. What if the Hornets did mess around and make the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Because this this win comes at the end of the season, and their their season comes down to a game that the Knicks played, I believe, against Orlando. That had the Knicks won, it would have found the Charlotte Hornets in the playoffs, but they didn't win. I think actually, I think maybe the Hornets played Orlando in their last game oh, of the yeah, season. Yeah. And I think Orlando, Orlando beat Charlotte or maybe I, I'm not sure, but you're right. It did come down to the Knicks and ultimately Orlando would end up reaching that eight spot anyway. Um, yeah. So uh, one thing I do want to capture too, over the second half of the season, I think it's important to what you said, Doug, moving on from some of the former Bobcats, some of the more established guys. 
if you go to the schedule, I don't know if you have, I don't know if you can, going to the schedule, especially oh, in the second half of the season. I can. <laughs> that's, that's what makes you the best in the biz. There is a point where James Borrego decides to go completely to the young players and go in player development mode. And they were done. James Borrego did not, could not have had 100% confidence that they were going to be in playoff contention, not make the playoffs. That's not what I'm talking about, but just be in playoff contention. And then there was a point where they shifted all the way to youth. Dwayne Bacon, Devontae Graham, those guys end up winning games. Malik Monk, Devontae, Dwayne Bacon, Miles Bridges. They end up winning more games than you would expect. And you start, I think that's the game you just clicked on, right? They win four in a row. They have mm -hmm. that game against the Lakers where they lose. I think it was tightly contested, but they, they were done, Doug. And the young guys got them back into playoff contention to where it was. There was a possibility the last night of the regular season, and they ended up falling short. But that's what was crazy about this. Four wins in a row. They're going all young. They lose three after that, but they're still solidly in. They win another four in but a this, row. But this game against crazy. New Orleans, yeah, this game against New Orleans that we're talking about now was the beginning of another four-game winning streak because essentially going into that New Orleans game, the only chance that they had to make the playoffs, they had to get some help and win out. Yeah. And they win four in a row. And then, yes, final game, which I'm, you know, sure will randomly select at some point. Uh, they play uh, Orlando, which um, you can't imagine. I mean, I'm going to cheat and go ahead and click on this. Don't click score. on it. Oh, we've ruined oh. the episode in 2032. We've well, ruined it. We've teased it. But here's the, you know, Orlando. <laughs> think about this. Orlando Magic. It's the year after Clifford gets removed right. from Charlotte. He lands in Orlando. So poetic. Talk about poetic. Yeah. Steve right. Clifford ends the Hornets <laughs> magical run that could have ended up in the playoffs. But Walker, talk to me about this. What if they win? Okay. Because they lose, they end up, uh, Kimball Walker makes all NBA and he does so primarily because he led this. It was Kimba and the Avengers. It was Kimba and all these baby bees, but he put the team on his back. I've got this interesting stat for you, Walker. So, Kimball Walker had 20 games. He scored 32 points in this game that we're talking about now. He had 20 games in this season, 2018-19, where he scored 32 or more points. How many games did a Hornets player combined this past season that, that we're recording? We're recording this in uh, 2022. So in the 21-22 campaign, how many games did a Hornets player score 32 or more points? I, I actually would have... I would have guessed a lot. You know, you said you said it was 20 for Kimba Walker this 20 season. For Kimba. OK, so I think LaMelo had a couple. I know Kelly Oubre exploded maybe a couple of times. Gordon got a 40 pointer. I don't know. Give me give me give me 16. The answer is 20. OK, but, but that's combined. OK, yeah, that's right, LaMelo right, getting right. six. That's Rozier getting a couple. You're right. Kelly had a couple. Gordon put up like 40 on San Antonio mm -hmm. randomly out of nowhere. And in a game, they probably could have won without 40 points from Gordon Hayward. He throws 40 on him. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so combined, you had LaMelo, Miles, Terry, Gordon and Kelly. Five players put up 30 point games. Kimba put 20, 30 point games together in this all NBA 32 plus he probably had a few more that were 30 or 31, but 32 or more 20 games. He gets all NBA. They they don't want to pay him the all NBA super max. They let him go. So what if they make the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Do you think the Hornets then go, we got to give him the money. 
I I wonder because I think hindsight helps me answer this a lot because we know how Mitch Kupchak operates. And Mitch Kupchak is one to really try to keep his expectations in check. In fact, a lot of people might argue that he keeps them too much in check. Hey, if you do something, then you might too actually be a playoff too contender. Too much in Kupchak? Yeah, that, that's true. So if Mitch Kupchak looks at this team that actually makes the playoffs, let's say that the end of the regular season, it breaks right for Charlotte. They get in as that eight seed. Remember, they would have faced the NBA champs in the Toronto Raptors. Now Orlando beat Toronto in game one of that series. And that was DJ Augustine hitting a game winning three pointer. So Orlando's up one to nothing on Toronto. I believe the Raptors would then go on to win four straight, but let's just say the Hornets have the same exact record in that series. They go four and one Kimba goes off for 30. Let's say he averages 30 a game, but they only win the one contest. I do think that they still probably end up leaving or end up letting Kemba go. You're, you're, it's, it's still a fascinating what-if question. I do end up thinking that Kemba goes on to Boston because in Charlotte's mind, this is something that a lot of people lose sight of. Charlotte did give Kemba technically the best offer. Kimba was going to make more money with the Charlotte Hornets than he would have with any other franchise. The reason he leaves is because he thought he was going to get a lot more still with Charlotte because they had that capability to offer so much more and the rationale of I'm going to go play for close to a championship title contender. But in Charlotte's eyes, they're thinking we're still giving you a lot of money. You are approaching the wrong age to where you're going to be in your twilight soon. It's not like the injury concerns were a complete shock with Kimba. It's a fascinating question because you, know, you could see it go the opposite way. I end. Up, I, I do think they still would have done the same exact thing. I'm in agreement with you because I think they knew what people found out later. They knew about the injury history. And I, I think they didn't want to talk about it. And you, you don't want to say anything like that about a player going out the door. And you, but I think they that's that was a fear mm-hmm. of giving of investing that much money. But I think you would you would talk to some other people that that I think are convinced that they would have done it. I, I don't think you and I are saying something that was absolutely correct. I think there were people that would say no. You know if 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 they if they went out make the playoffs. They they might ride with with Kimba and and try to make it work and and release every and you know get rid of everyone else you know they end up stretching Batum and Marvin moves on MKG uh, would move on in the next season uh, but but um, let me say something happy about Kimba Walker he won them this game uh, mm-hmm. this game that they absolutely needed to stay in playoff contention after losing three straight okay Kimba Walker you see thirty two points right but that's not the story of this game let me click on the old fourth quarter. Kimba the Walker good old fourth, in the fourth quarter. quarter. Yeah, you love the fourth quarter button. Fourth oh, you quarter love it. Button. The good old fourth quarter button. <laughs> That's I, I'm here to emphasize that button. Seven of nine from the field. Only three three point attempts, but he makes two of them. Six free throw attempts. Not trips to the line. Six free throw attempts. Twenty one points. One assist. <laughs> but he's scoring, baby. This was That's his time. all he was in here to do was to uh, get buckets and and win this game for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, that's why he gets my Herman Boone award. Fourth quarter, fourth quarter, fourth okay. quarter. Remember the Titans, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. He gets the Herman Boone award for fourth quarter explosion. 21 points for Kimball Walker. Yeah. You see, if you, can you scroll down a little bit? Miles Bridges hits a field goal and Frank Kaminsky hits one. That's it. 
Kemba's got the rest of the seven needed yeah, to Lam- win this uh, game. Yeah, in the Lamb fourth. gets three. Uh, Lamb gets to the line. Man, they got to the line yeah, a lot in the fourth quarter. That's but yeah, true. field goal in terms of field goals, you're right. Yeah, it's 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 Walker and then a few others. So it's the bench that helps them keep pace throughout the game, and then it's closing time for Kemba, and he takes care of it. Cardiac Kemba shows up one of the last times in a Charlotte Hornets uniform before he moves on to Boston. Shout out JP Makura. Talked about him in the uh, jersey who wore it best. We got episodes. a YouTube comment that gave JP Makura some love. People so didn't expect <laughs> yeah. that, but that's cool. I'm here for the uh, weird, obscure Hornet shout outs. Well, Shelvin Mack, another, you know, I had high, I had higher hopes for Shelvin Mack than, than were realized, unfortunately. Just couldn't come in and really make that much of an impact. Speaking of Orlando, I'll always remember Orlando's hype graphics that every team will tweet out. And Orlando, when Shelvin Mack was on the team, they decided to say, they decided to put a picture of him alongside the stat assist leader per game for Orlando. And it was like 4.1 or 4.2. And they decided to say, hey, yeah, we've got Shelvin Mack. Great facilitator, leader in assists. Like, Mack All right. is back. Mack attack. Uh, is this what we're supposed to be excited for in Orlando? Yeah, uh, and Shelvin. You know, Orlando, we can't make fun of that. I mean, Orlando and Charlotte. We're a little bit. Oh, I know. We're, we're a little bit brethren, and and how much we've had to suffer. Although it Orlando, is the Spider-Man meme. Orlando did get those glorious uh, Dwight Howard years. Uh, we got one Dwight Howard year. Uh, going not, to the not so glorious. Yeah. Not not as glorious, but he had moments. I mean, I'll you know I know people want to really just rip that whole era apart. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm a realist. I understand it wasn't the answer. He also had some pretty magnificent games. I mean, it was fun to watch when he would break out the vintage Dwight. I mean, he got them a win over Golden State that they had no business winning. Uh, anyway, that's it's a right. completely okay. different season. You just got we'll me on a tangent. There. We'll get there. Uh, going to the newspaper here, Brett Martell from the AP has the write-up and mentions Devontae Graham. Now, Graham was a 2018 second-round draft choice, and uh, he puts in – let me get the final number for him in this one. Uh, he put in 13 points on 4 of 8, shooting 3 of 6 from 3. This, to me, was a game of hints. We were getting hints about what Devontae Graham would be in the following season. We probably got some hints about, you know, some other players as well. Like Dwayne Bacon was a minus 10 in this game somehow. Um, uh, you know, 22 minutes, efficient, three of six, two of four. But how, how we are you thought, a minus We 10? thought the three of six was the hint. We thought the two of four was the hint, but really it was the minus 10. The minus that was 10. the hint. And we, we, we went to the shiny object and then we got burned by it. Yeah, so this was a this was a game of hints. Although Malik Monk had uh was a plus ten, nine points, six rebounds for Malik. Malik hitting the boards in this one. I had a block. Mm-hmm. Wow, Malik Monk playing the center role. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, we've needed one for a long time. One of four from three though for Malik Monk. Uh, you know that's that was a story for sure. Uh, but yeah, so this uh, this was an interesting what? Yeah, yeah, I had to I had to do it. I had to say it. <laughs> you did. We did. You did. I didn't know if we wanted to continue to talk about Malik there. I, I do. I do want to steer more towards Dwayne Bacon talking about some hole? of the hints. I, I have a rabbit hole for a Pelicans player, and if we get that, I'll try to sneak it in. If not, maybe at the very end. But the Dwayne Bacon conversation, second round pick. Weirdly enough gets a start in his first ever action. Remember, because Nick Batum goes down with injury, Dwayne Bacon's rookie year. And so Bacon as a second round 40th overall pick comes in and starts right away, but doesn't play all that much that year. It's not that much of a surprise. Again, James Brago and the Hornets, they go to youth. Bacon comes in, 
Dwight Bacon shoots over 40% from three on this little stretch run for the entire season, but is really impressive in this stretch run is actually efficient. You see a decent amount of these three for six games in the minutes that he's playing going to the Charlotte Hornets luncheon. Oh, where was it? It was that I think it was at Ruth's Chris in Charlotte. We go over maybe Capitol ah, Grill. I good old Ruth's Chris. Yeah, and maybe Capitol Grill, though. I had, could I, it was a steakhouse. And James Borrego is talking about the expectations for his second season. Somebody asked a question about Dwayne Bacon, and I remember it. He says, if we have a big year, a lot of it is going to depend on Dwayne Bacon carrying a decent amount of the load for us, or he's going to be a big part of us having a big year. Dwayne Bacon comes in, starts, and Doug, the first 10 games that he played that following season were as ugly as it possibly could get. Yep. There were measures of Dwayne Bacon, not bottom five, not bottom 10. Mm-hmm. I, I mean this literally the worst offensive player in the league because he wasn't going to the foul line. He wasn't hitting three pointers. He wasn't efficient at all. And yet he kept shooting and shooting and shooting to the point where after 10 games, Brago actually gave him a little bit of a leash. Then you couldn't anymore. And then Dwayne never bounced back. He actually played overseas this past season after one more year with Orlando and Steve Clifford. But that was, this was, this was a mirage, man. Like the second half was like, all right, awesome. Second round steal. Let's go. And in the end, it just never worked out for him. But this was his heyday. We are in the middle of Dwayne Bacon's most successful run in the association. Yeah. You know, Clifford loved Bacon, talked about how he had all the tools to be a starter in the league. I mean, he had high praise for him. And then, um, you know, and I, I thought Bacon always served as an interesting contrast to Malik Monk, who I think it's safe to say Clifford was not as high on. Very but safe. both, But both players... Well, Malik, I think, is having more success right now than Dwayne Bacon, who would go oh, and try to reco- yeah, would try to go and yeah. recover his career with Clifford in Orlando, and then didn't work out there either. So you just never know the trajectory of these players, especially when you're talking about Dwayne Bacon out of the second round. I mean, Malik Monk should have been a little bit more predictable where he was drafted. Uh, but yeah, it's you just never know how things are going to work out, and it also goes to show you that even when a coach that you respect, like Steve Clifford, is high on a player doesn't necessarily guarantee that that player is going it, it it so much is on the player they have to put in the work they have to be willing to do certain things and there are things that are outside of their control injuries and different players different i mean it's what we're dealing with with book night right now both injuries and rotational realities are are really going to hamper book night's ability unless a, he gets a couple of breaks and stays prepared well, it's a problem for Bacon, too, because it, it ended in a way for him or, or it was going south in a way that you felt bad for him, because I do feel like maybe he wasn't doing what the coach asked him as far as not shooting as much. I, I don't know. Like, I, I have zero insight on what was taking place there. I do know that Dwayne Bacon loved to hoop. He was one of the first guys that was just fine going down to the G League. Remember, he kind of had the line of most people view it as a punishment. I view it as a way to get better in the NBA. I view it as a way where I'm going to get some run. And Devontae, I think, kind of embodied that. Dwayne, now, it was very, it was at the beginning of it. And then we got to a point where Dwayne was, all right, I had enough of this. Like, I want to go back to the NBA. But early on, Dwayne was like, I'm cool, man. Like, I'm loving playing in the G League. It's really strange, too, because that recovery year in 2021, he played in 72 games, started 50 of them, played 25 almost 26 minutes per game and he didn't play in that. He didn't play with anyone in the following season. It's just really, it's a kind of figure that out. Like what happened? I mean, he was averaging 11 points. Yeah. It was just terribly inefficient shooting um, yeah. problems all over the place. So yeah. 
Dwayne Bacon, interesting story. So Walker, I mentioned earlier that this particular game, uh, we actually did a game recap episode of Locked On Hornets on this game, and I have the recording. I found it deep within the archives. And oh, yes. You just, you never know what you're going to find, whether it's in an article that was written in the Charlotte Observer or on At The Hive or something that we did on the show. You just never know what you're going to run into when we do one of these every Hornets box scores. And I happened upon a certified gem, one of the most famous lounges that we ever did on Locked on Hornets. For those unfamiliar, uninitiated Locked on Hornets listeners, the lounge uh, was something that we still occasionally do, but used to do a lot more consistently, would be our pre-show routine. We would hit record, we'd get ready for the show, and we'd air a little bit of that prior to each episode. And so I have that lounge and I'd like to play it for you right now if if you uh, would like that. We we had some good ones. I want to preface this by saying we've had some good ones. There is one that stands out in my mind as the best. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I called it the best at that time. I, just go ahead. I, I, I'll I'll save the rest after I hear it. But let's let's. What do I know? I'm just sitting here producing yep. a yep. locked on Hornets yep. podcast, That's getting filthy rich. Oh, checkity check, check. <laughs> I feel like there's just a lot in my face. <laughs> yeah, but it'll keep you. You were a little, you were a little pee poppy last time. So I don't have any covers on these yet. I got gotcha. you. A little pee poppy. Uh, yeah, a little pee poppy. That's what you like to do. Pee pop, pee pop, pee pop. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there it uh, is. That's it. That's the most famous. Beep, 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 There's beep, 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 beep. so many different one-liners, and that's when we're not doing the show, but that's what makes it all the the more great. Just trying to get ready. Yeah, that lounge is the best. I, I heard it. I didn't realize you were rolling at that time, and I immediately called it the best lounge ever. I wasn't ready for it. So I, you're you're telling me that that was actually a part of this show that we did. Although, mm-hmm. so August fourth. The April, following April, day, April 4th, mm-hmm. April 4th, excuse me. Yeah. April 4th. We did that. That was the, I mean, that's crazy. The bees machine knows, man. And I'm telling you some of these, every time we land on one of these, there's some kind of story. There's something interesting. And yeah, that's, it's funny. Walk down memory lane. I miss being in the same room as you one day. I'm going to join you in that, in that bedroom. You know, we did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I've been waiting for so long. You used to be in my bedroom all the time, and then you moved to Nashville, and now you're never in my bedroom. I really miss that, Doug. I really miss you being in my bedroom. But you're right. It does make for a lot better show because and I, we've we've learned to gravitate and adapt to doing this when you're in Nashville over the internet we've had to have connection issues where i might be pixelated sometimes but i'm not when you're looking at me face to face i promise i'm not a part of the matrix this is reality when we're in the same room and it helps but we've adapted and i i think that makes us stronger though the fact that we've been able to figure out different ways to do the show well, you know, and the and the Hornets adapted in 2019. Segway, they adapted uh, by really just giving the ball to Kimba Walker and telling him to go score a thousand points every single game. And he, you know, to his credit, he said, "Okay, I will do that. I will score a thousand right. points I'll every get you game 40 wins. on my own." Get to the line. I mean, he got to the line. What was say 13 attempts in this game, and and that was such a key part of his All NBA journey. 
And it kind of makes me think about the Hornets at present. Again, I, I understand people will go back and listen to these someday and may not understand that we are talking about the 2021-22 uh, season that we just uh, got finished with. We're in the offseason heading into this uh, third season for LaMelo Ball. But, you know, looking at these numbers and how much uh, Kimball was able to get to the line makes me think a lot about LaMelo Ball and the growth that he's going to have to make. And he's he's on a trajectory where he's doing it much sooner than Kimball Walker did. Uh, but I think it's uh, there's some similar things going on where he's shooting he's shooting the lights out, um, g- good natural score. But there are some things in his game that have to improve. And one of those things is, is getting to the line, just like Kimba in this in this era. Well, the the thing is, LaMelo, not only does he clearly have the superstar potential that Kimba, pro- he probably topped out, right? I mean, he got to be an all-star here four times in a row. That's all impressive. Third-team All-NBA, I think. Yeah, that's that was topped out for Kimba uh-huh. Walker, for sure. Yeah, there, there's not much more ceiling to reach there for Kimba. LaMelo, at the end of his career, we should be talking about him as a multiple-time All-NBA guy. First-team some- first All-NBA that kind of possibility for LaMelo, but he's starting off so much better immediately where Kimba, it took a long time for him to be a good three point shooter, not LaMelo. And and it's, it's still crazy to think that that was one of the biggest knocks on him coming into the league, but he proved himself the second year more. So he did it his first year and then, okay, is it, is it just coming into the league and you caught fire for your first season? No, it's legit. And there are a couple of different levels that he shoots well. His second season, he proved that. Plus, he's also a better facilitator than Kimba Walker is. So automatically, two things that it takes to be a very good all-NBA level point guard. LaMelo has that at 20 years old, being able to shoot from the three-point line and being an awesome passer, which is a really nice foundation to start on. Well, what's interesting is something that you brought up in that episode of Locked on Hornets uh, that I've been mentioning, which is by the time we get to this game in April and we see what Kimba did in the fourth quarter and we see what he did overall in the game, his ability to score. And you mentioned that whether, you know, we didn't know if he was going to make all NBA or not, though we had some hints that he was on that trajectory. But you just mentioned that even though we don't know whether he's going to be all NBA we, we are seeing all NBA performances on a night in night out basis. And it has become normal, normalized for Kimba Walker. Like we got used to, to Kimba just stepping out on the floor every single night and doing something special. It was weird if he didn't do it. And that's, and that truly is like, when you talk about what makes an all NBA player, obviously they have to get voted into that team. But I think if you just like, step back and say, what, how, how do I know if somebody's on that all NBA trajectory? I think that to me is the measurement is a player going out every night. And if they, if they don't do well, you go, what the hell happened? And, and, and LaMelo's not there yet. Um, and, but, and that'll be interesting if that happens next season or the season after that, where we go, wow, like every single night he's doing this incredible thing. Uh, and when he doesn't do it, we're shocked. Yeah, and LaMelo, I think a couple of things have become normalized for him. The highlight pass, we're going to get one every game. And I think we talked about this, maybe it was last year, maybe it was at the beginning of this season, where we saw every single game there was going to be some highlight behind the back, awesome cross-court fireball from him, and it was going to circulate on social media. That became normalized. And I remember us, there, there were a couple of passes one game. And I remember making a note of it at the time. I forget what game it was, but those were not going to be talked about dishes. We were just going to discuss ho-hum. LaMelo had 
seven, eight assists, whatever it was. But there were a couple of awesome passes that on the LaMelo scale, probably just above average and, and pretty damn good passes. But for, for anybody else, it's phenomenal. And that's where we become the whole, we're a prisoner of the moment. We don't, or not prisoner of the moment, mind you, but just we're getting used to it and we're not giving it the light of day that we should. Hey, this is right. crazy. Like what LaMelo is doing is unbelievable. And that's what, especially in this stretch, Doug, as we're kind of talking about the end of that regular season, 2018, mm -hmm. 2019, what Kimba was doing even more so, he averaged, I, I think over the last maybe six games they played, he averaged over... 32 points per game on 50% shooting that become, it became a must have, but it also became normal. And you start a season off strong, you end it strong. That's what allows you to get third team all NBA. Well, while I look up that to confirm what you just said, while I look that up, you have, you want to take us on a small I rabbit do. hole uh, with somebody from the New Orleans side. So, okay. Yeah. I just pulled it up. So if I just look at the month of April <laughs> where they played nice month, yeah, six games, okay? He averaged 34 points per game, six assists, four and a half rebounds uh, on 52% shooting, almost 53% if we're rounding up, and 41% from three on eight and a half attempts. Just absolutely elite numbers. And again, I want to remind you, the Hornets absolutely needed every single game. Yeah. <laughs> and they almost did it. They almost that, yeah. did it had it not been for Orlando. Uh, and he put up 43 against Orlando in that loss. It wasn't even his fault on 16 no. of 25 shooting. Well, yeah. And and so you look at some of the tough teams they beat to get there. It's why everybody was out on the Hornets. They beat Minnesota, which, okay, not that big of a deal. But then they beat Boston. They beat Toronto for the second time in the month of March because the first victory they had in the month of March against Toronto was the Jeremy Lamb shot. I went back and looked at this most recent game yeah, in Toronto. Toronto three times between uh, March and April. Oh, that's well, and Jeremy, Jeremy oh, Lamb sorry, had another... So they beat him once in March and then beat him in April. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So so in April, yes, that's my fault. But they beat him uh, the second time, the, the, the month of April, where they got that yeah. win against Toronto. That was another big Jeremy Lamb three that sealed the deal. If you go back and look at the play-by-play, -play, that was not the 48-footer that Jeremy hit the first time. So they beat Boston. They beat Toronto. They beat San Antonio, who was still respected at that time. And then they're they have a pretty close game against the Lakers. They end up losing. They lose big to Golden State, um, Utah. So that that three game stretch that that kind of killed them. But that was always going to be tough for them to beat some of those teams. And then they go four in a row. I just I, I look at that stretch. They didn't make the playoffs. It just there were there were victories there that should have never happened. So just interesting to go back to that time. All right, let's go, go down. Ahead. Rabbit hole. All right. So you brought up the Pelican side of things on this box score. I'm going to talk about a former Charlotte Hornet that we're looking at right now. If you're watching us on YouTube, and that would be Christian Wood. The Charlotte Hornets were the second team that he ever played for. But Doug, this is actually an interesting time for Christian Wood. I call this Christian hits the hardwood. Okay. So this game... <laughs> <laughs> this it's game so had bad. It's so <laughs> it's, bad. It's so bad, but yet so good. So this game happened in the middle of Christian so Woods wood. coming out party. It is. It's so wood. You miss it. You really you had it right there in front of you. Let me it's get so to bad, it. But <laughs> it's so get... wood. Like you had it right in front of you. And instead you go, it's so oh. bad, it's so good. All right. And so you it, you continue to be bad. Go ahead, continue. 
Christian, so bad it's so would, played for Philadelphia first. He was waived twice. <laughs> God, uh-huh. You're ruining this. He was waived twice, and then he signed a couple of 10 days before he signed the rest of the season contract with Philly, right? That would be it for the 76ers. Didn't mm-hmm. spend much time there. Then he signs with Charlotte, has his moments, actually was called upon against the Clippers and played 23 minutes against a good team where Charlotte lost by three. So had some moments, but mm-hmm. that was it. Moves on. Doesn't see any action for a year before Milwaukee picks them up, but gets less run with the Bucks than any other franchise even preceding it, gets waived real late in the season. And this is where the Pelicans decide to pick him up, Doug. They needed front court depth due to the Anthony Davis situation. They had not granted AD's trade wish. Davis wasn't playing. He was too busy wearing the That's All Folks t-shirt. So they went to Christian Wood. And holy Christian, for a holies. Look actually, at these numbers. Yes, yes. Christian actually credits Anthony Davis a lot for his mentorship and helping the gym, by the way, but Pelicans and for staying away. (laughs) Yes. They pick him up for the final eight games of the regular season. As you're looking at on reference right now, 17 points, 53% shooting, including a game high 26. Doug, he had never scored more than 15 in a game before that. So in this game, Christian actually has one of his worst of the eight games that he played during this stretch. So what happens to Christian? You would think they'd keep him in New Orleans. Not quite. In fact, David Griffin decides to waive him too after acquiring more front court players in the eventual AD trade, as well as drafting Zion and Jackson Hayes. So there's two more front court players. They decide we can't keep Christian Wood. Ends up being a mistake. Pistons pick him up real quick on waivers. From there, he would continue to be a coveted player. We saw a nice contract that the Rockets handed out to him. Becomes a most improved player of the year candidate with his Detroit run and the Charlotte Hornets almost tried to bring him back. But yeah, like th- we are watching a game here. We're looking back at a game that was right in the middle of an eight game wow. stretch that really allowed Christian to become the player that he was today. Saved his career. Today. I mean, you yeah. know, and, and not if we're looking at this particular box score, he got 20 minutes off the bench, three of seven from the field, uh, four free throw attempts, eight points, nine rebounds, nine rebounds in 20 minutes. That's good. Three assists. Uh, did have six turnovers. So this probably, it's pretty amazing that he did put up those numbers and did, I mean, this particular game wasn't all that great. So the other no, this was the worst been, one in this. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty stellar. Well, there you go. Christian Wood. But wouldn't you know it? Coming out party. That was a good rabbit hole. I appreciated it. I, I appreciate know. that, man. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you actually so giving me all, Yeah. <laughs> thank you for giving me all the confidence at the beginning to just go ahead That's and, all, and, folks. and just giving me the runway to roll down and have a smooth takeoff. Thank you for all of that. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. It is uh, it is that time, folks. It is time for the extremely classic. I always get the name wrong. I made the name and I get it wrong. What's it called? It's called the... What do I know? I'm just sitting here. Oh, play the sound again. Extremely classic pro basketball player of the podcast. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so wood. okay the extremely classic uh player of the podcast is drum roll please the 385th thank you 385th best player in the 1950s according to ainsworthsports.com getting tired it is dick bunt (laughs) dick bunt I have Dick Bunt's Wikipedia page. Ah, man. That's a tough one to live through. That's your nickname. That one's tough. 
Seem to do all right. Play a little pro ball. Let's get the screen share back up. Back do we have a picture up. of Dick Bunt? And is it okay to search on Google or did you come across some bad things when you did that? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. The, the, don't, don't Google the player that we put on the screen last time. Uh, I realized watching back, uh, Zippy Morocco had an unfortunate ending to his life and we had that on the screen probably Ew. for too long. <laughs> so much good. I didn't even. Yeah. Sorry, Zippy. Um, well, considering this guy's. About, yeah. Go let me ahead. tell you about Richard J. Bunt, mm -hmm. otherwise known as Dick Bunt. He was an American basketball player who played in the National Basketball Association during the 1952-53 season, played collegiately for New York University, was selected by the New York Knicks in the 1952 NBA draft. Bunt played for the Knicks and Baltimore Bullets in the NBA for 26 games. After he finished his NBA career, he was a physical education teacher at William C. Bryan High School in Astoria, Queens, New York. Always loved the game of basketball. There you go. Oh, RIP just last year. RIP, wow. Dick Bunt. Yeah. Oh, man. 91. Long life, though. Dickie B. Uh, yeah, we could probably find. Uh, I don't want to do it on screen. Just to you don't want you don't want to Google image search Dick yeah. Bunt on the screen. I mean, it sounds like playing baseball with your pants down. It can't be good on a Google search. Okay, I just think I found. It. I found old Dickie Bunt. This is well. This was his collegiate days <laughs> playing for NYU. Uh, here we go. Got to check us out on YouTube for this one. Okay. There's a Kirk Cousins lookalike. I don't know why Kirk Cousins' face came yeah, up there. I don't know there, why Kirk Cousins came up on the Google image search for Dick Bunt, but uh, people who watch Kirk Cousins probably have some uh, some indication as to why that's the case. But there he is, Dickie <laughs> B. NYU, great. 385th okay. best player of the 1950s. An extreme hour, extremely classic. I think I can play the, uh, try to play the intro again. There we go. Extremely classic i have to play the intro just to read this extremely classic pro basketball player of the podcast <laughs> just, uh, the names aren't long enough for anything i'm glad that you gave us the abbreviation of the bees machine because it would be a total doug move to just go ahead and read every time what that stands for so thank you for simplifying it well thank you walker for helping me do this show from your new location i can't wait till it's featured on uh this will be on locked on hornets but until it's mm -hmm. featured on an actual episode of locked on hornets and i uh, just want to give a shout out to all of the of the people who are supporting this show on our Substack, every hornets basket every hornets basketball good i'm glad i made one more mistake before we this gotta episode. find all and of them Every single one of the basketballs, we're going after him. We dare Every to do that. Every Hornets podcast. <laughs> Every <laughs> Hornets box score dot com. Reach deep. It's been a it's been a long day, Walker. It's a, I've been doing a lot of podcasting today. Uh, the Substack is called Every Hornets Box Score, and we look at Every Hornets Box Score. And when the season gets back started, this this uh, actual future Hornets season that we have in front of us the 2022-23 season I'm going to be doing a game notes on every Hornets box score uh, so make sure to check that out you can sign up for free you can support the show it's all good uh, thank you Walker I appreciate it and we will be back next week with more box scores we're going back to the early Hornets run and I hope we get a good one and I hope we get some guests I'm really I have a feeling I'm feeling we're going to have a guest on the next episode. Just saying. I don't know, right. I don't know for sure. Obviously, I don't know, but I have a good feeling that we might be talking to someone who once suited up in a Charlotte Hornets uniform. I don't want to jinx it, but I think we're going to talk to someone. 
What a tease. Stay tuned. I'm excited. 